Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Home Cinema Design Podcast. Tom's back. Awesome. Welcome back, Tom. Hello. Ah, oh, missed on the last one. It was a great episode as well. I think when you get expert people in to talk about their new and exciting technology, you've got to let them talk, right? But David did brilliantly. Really, really happy with that. On that little bit of housekeeping, uh, I had a couple of messages in the last couple of weeks. Oh, paid partnership, is it? No. No. No, it's not. That's not how we roll. Basically, waveforming was new enough and interesting enough and genuinely new technology enough that we had to get someone on to talk about it. And with guests, you know, I bet some of our brand friends are going, oh, touch, you know, we can go on this podcast and talk about our new stuff. Don't call us. We'll call you. It's up to us whether we think it's interesting enough and we want to invite you on to talk about it. Absolutely. And also, some people like David are very measured, very technically accurate, very astute. They're not spinning. You know, they're not, they put their order pad away and mm-hmm. give you the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Even some of your friends, when you see, it's like, look, can you stop selling to me and drink this bloody beer, please? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's thing one. Thing two, um, this week we're going to talk about myths, misconceptions and shit excuses. Um, and there's, there's a lot of that about. Now, before I dive in, I just want to say, firstly... If you're listening to this and you feel like you're getting thrown under the bus, no, 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 no. 20 of you have said the same thing. We're all the same. I remember making one of the terrible excuses when I was about 15 in school with one of my friends. It was something about, oh, I'll never hear a difference, you know. And I said that because, oh, I don't want to engage with that. I don't want to spend my money on that. You know, many, 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 many years later. I know that was a crap excuse. So it's not personal. It's probably not aimed at you. I've probably just heard it 25 times. Everything that we do is a learning curve, isn't it? And I just, I think we've had our eyes opened to what we're doing, how we should be doing things. Yeah, and it's it's just about getting the best out of what we're doing professionally. You know, we're not we're not we're not at home. They're in a TV with a sonar soundbar underneath it, are we? You know, we're doing this. We're making a living out of this, and I think I think we should be all accountable for what we're doing does that make sense it makes complete sense and i think there are there are customers at the end of this and that's why we do it we do it for the kind of the maximizing people's experience i fundamentally believe even in tricky times there's enough work out there for everyone yeah you know most people in this country that could afford one have never experienced a decent cinema system and if you get an opportunity to show them one, you should, because a lot of the time they're going to want one. There's plenty and plenty of work out there. Yeah. I don't think this is us kind of being snarky because we didn't get work, because we don't care. You know, there's plenty of work out there. I've, I've got enough going on. You've got enough going on. Um, this is more about wanting to raise the bar for everybody. Yeah. And if we've got to kind of poke at you a little bit and kind of point out a couple of little truths that maybe you didn't think about ever before, then I think we've done good. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree anymore. Wicked. Right, shall we start? What are we talking about today, Owen? Myths and misconceptions and shit excuses. So these are some of the things that we hear from fellow integrators, from end customers, or from, you know, just people you meet. You know, some of the stuff people come out with about why they don't have to do it to the best of their ability. Go on, you go first. Okay, I mean, the obvious one is, well, it's, it's all the same excuse, really. Either I'm not an audiophile or... My customers are not an audiophile, or they don't listen loud, or they wouldn't be able to hear the difference, or ah, oh, but you know they're not they're not enthusiasts, so I don't need to worry about things like making sure the bass notes are the same at every seat. Yeah, that the kind of they don't care, therefore it's not important, therefore I don't have to do it properly. That bullshit excuse is yeah one yeah makes sense. absolutely it does. And the thing is, the obvious answer: if you really do not care, 
go down to Costco, go down to Richer Sounds, go down to Curry's, get a nice big telly, a Sonos soundbar. It will do. If you just want to beef up the telly and you genuinely don't care, that's probably a better answer for you. Yeah. Because it will come on, it will be nice and bright, it will be probably clear and you can probably hear the words to a point. It'll be all right. You know, I think, and and do you know what, Owen? There are people like that. Yeah, there absolutely are. There's 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 houses that I've been, you know, big old houses, people who can afford to have whatever cinema they wanted to have, and they just like having a TV with a soundbar to make it a bit more, you know, so they can hear it a bit more uh, eligible uh, sort of speech, opposed to using the TV speakers. And you know what? If that's your bag, I have no issue with that at all. Completely. But if your bag is, I want a home cinema or i want a you know a very good quality living room with surround sound and what have you to whatever level then it is our job to do it properly mm-hmm. and i think doing kind of with the things that we're talking about yeah i don't like that but it's the best my customers ever heard yeah but the best thing they ever heard was a telly and a son of soundbar which is fine by the way <laughs> exactly. there is nothing wrong with that yeah. or a blue sound soundbar no. just doesn't matter yeah i don't mind that because, you know, and I've got that, you know, I've got a telly in the corner and I've got an even less good than Sonos soundbar underneath it because the telly on its own sounded crap. So I understand that. It's just that obviously half a mile down the road, I've got a quite good home cinema as well. So that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's true in the market. I think it's either telly and bar or it's proper room. Yeah. The funny thing is this about they're not audiophiles. They don't listen loud. They don't care. This doesn't happen in any other specialty. You know, if I was to say to you, Tom, let's go out for a really good steak. Let's go to Hawksmoor or Goodman or something. You're not going to turn around to me and go, I'm not a gourmet, Owen. I'm not really into my food. You know, I I think I'll I'll just go to McDonald's. It'll be fine. Mm. No one says that. You don't have to be an expert to appreciate quality. And in what we do, the quality is as much in the chef, the recipe, the implementation as it is the ingredients. I sometimes think this is therefore just a shit excuse to not train yourself. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, it's fine because I go to the same fishmonger as Rick Stein, so therefore my stuff's just as good. Yeah, but he learned to fucking cook for three years and you didn't, you prick. You know? All we're doing as, as pro installers is we are, we're writing the menu, we're sourcing the ingredients, and we're putting it together properly. Yeah, but that's the bit, I think. Yeah. It's the putting it together properly. And all this stuff, oh, my customers don't care. It's bullshit. If your customers don't care, get them a telly, get them a soundbar, save them 60 grand, go home. Yeah. You just don't want to engage with it. It's not the same. They absolutely do care and would care. And if they sat in a room where the care had been put into it, you know, a great example is is my old room was nowhere near as good as this one is. I've said it before in previous co- podcasts. And I know that if... Those customers that sat in it two years ago and, and, and beyond would have sat in this one, mm-hmm. and they'd have, and I'd have said, "Well, you know, if we put the same treatments and effort into the room as I have here, it's going to add X amount of money onto your project." I reckon at least seventy-five percent of them would not have questioned it because this is what they want. Hundred percent. Yeah, this is the experience they want in their house. I would dearly love to do one of two things. I would dearly love to just take the space photocopy it do it again badly yeah just build the room according to Mm non-care taken by others and go yeah here's how not to do it yeah the other one which is roddy's idea get the speakers on actuators and remove the toe in Mm. that would be cool 
Yeah. But what happens if I don't do it? <laughs> yeah, Mister. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Uh, I, I've seen it through um, video calls with with RP meetings, and, and yeah. having spoken to to Adam Pels in his 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 room, his his lab. lab. Yeah, his lab. <laughs> I think everything in his lab's pretty much on actuators, so he can move and tweak and see what that effect has on this and that. Absolutely fascinating. I would love to have that. Yeah, this is the thing. We we have lots and lots of ideas that we want to do that we can't afford. How the fucking how do we implement that for eighty quid? <laughs> <laughs> Quality, cool. Um, next one. I think my clients don't listen loud is a biggie. Happened to a manufacturer recently where. You know, they're trying to introduce RP22 to them. And I won't name them because I'm not like that. And they go, oh, but my clients don't listen that loud and da-da-da. And the presenter said, well, yeah, not to your stuff. Ow. But that isn't why we do it. No one listens at 105 dB. I think I think what people don't realise, volume isn't, what, isn't the thing that hurts your ears. Exactly. So when you're listening to a subpar system, yeah. when your ears start hurting, generally... It's because of this distortion, not because of the volume. Hundred percent, it is. You can go loud and clean all day, and it, it it amazes me with the people that we get in here to demo. And I say, look, you know, I give them the remote control and say, look, you just because we, we, you know, we we I've set limits in our room, mm-hmm. so I just say to them, look, you keep pushing the volume until it's comfortable for you, or push it as far as you want to go, and it's like minus two. <laughs> yeah, I can almost guarantee they get to that limit. Yeah, virtually ninety-five percent of the time. Yeah, or certainly very, very close to it. Yeah, because it, it's it's comfortable, and I, I I must admit when I sit here and watch a film, I'm pretty much always max volume. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I like I like I like loud. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think those people that say they don't like loud, they've probably never really heard loud done properly. And clean. Yeah, agree, agree. You don't not like loud. You yeah. don't like it distorting. You turn it back down again. Yeah. And again, if you didn't engage with power handling, SPL, headroom, all of that stuff, everyone's the same. Don't forget, we've proven that, or we haven't proven that, but Dr. Tool proved that. Yeah. Everyone likes the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not as unique as you think you are. Cool. No. What else? What's next? If I buy really expensive audio equipment, it will sound amazing. Well, it might. <laughs> and funnily enough, I had this exact kind of line of, of hit with me on a forum literally this last few days. And I said, something along the line, and it doesn't matter about your equipment so much. If the room shit, it's probably going to be fairly shit. Agree. Hard agree. So one of my good mates is a photographer, did all the stuff on my room. I first met him eight years ago or something when he was a site carpenter with one of the builders. And he used to be a site carpenter with an interest in photography, but now he's a full-time photographer that's quite good on the tools. Hi, Ed. How you doing? Um, And he's brilliant because he gets wound up by this because obviously he's got a fairly decent, big, full-frame, full-sensor Canon EOS camera. And he always people go up to him and goes, oh, I bet you've got a really good camera. But the thing is... Ed with a phone is always going to absolutely slaughter me with any camera you like. Of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. I probably wouldn't get a correctly exposed image out of it. Yeah. I don't know what things do. Mm. You can do a lot more damage with 
a chop saw, a CNC router, you know, the right kind of drill than you can with, with, with hand tools. It's not about the equipment. You do need an element of, of skill to go with it. It's just as true in our game as anything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you're doing it as well at the moment. Aren't you, aren't you kind of fixing a very expensive room that sounds really pony? I absolutely am. And it's, do you know what? It's the hardest project I've undertaken. Of course. Of course. Literally, (laughs) because I've got to kind of use most of the equipment that's in there. It's basically an echo chamber. Uh, It's got some very expensive equipment in there. (laughs) Uh, And I've got to try and fix it. And the only way I can do it is is to lose some space, Mm -hmm. put some absorption in, change the look of it to try and fix it. Funnily enough components that are in there are are actually quite good yeah but it's the implementation of of the room and everything else in there that just makes the whole thing really really bad you absolutely go on the world and the world of websites and social media because of course we're we're a nosy industry we love to see what people are up to take one look at a room go that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong and it genuinely is wrong as well this is not you know this is not really for conjecture and then you look at the sort of the kit list and you're going, fucking hell, this is 100k, 150k plus. And it's very badly wrong. Yeah. Just seems weird. Oh, again, oh, but my client don't care. My client's preferences. I don't believe you. Yeah. I think it's your preferences. Yeah, yeah. Because you persuaded them to spend £150,000. Yeah. I fundamentally believe if you say, can't have seats there, can't have seats there, move it around a bit, chuck that forward a bit, maybe even get the same amount of seats in that space, but arrange differently you're the expert, they would have said yes, because when I do it, they do say yes. So yeah, I don't believe people. I think it's either a bit of self-deception, or it's a bit of never thought about it, or it's a bit of, I don't care, I'm taking the easy way out. Yeah. All three things, I think, are at yeah. play. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like this this room that we spoke about a minute ago. You know what? Uh, some of the speaker choice was, was slightly wrong in, in what they've used for Atmos speakers and, and surrounds, so we're going to put the, the Atmos as surrounds because they're just two directional and they're flat to the ceiling and yada 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 mm-hmm. but actually the position of everything in the room is spot on the screen size is spot on the, the seating position is good it's a perfectly square room so it's got a lot going against it mm-hmm. but with a little bit of jiggery poke the subs are in the wrong position so we're going to move the subs we do this that and the other get some absorption in there get a bit of um uh, scattering in, go, going in the room, and I think we'll have the room sorted. Hey, perfectly square. Can you do waveforming? Uh, probably, but that will be phase two. Cool. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Owen, is this customer is happy to do what we recommend, hmm. and he's never he's never told. He didn't tell the original installer. You know, I I, I only want plastered ceilings. I only want this. I only want that. What he probably said to them is i want it to be cool i want it to sound good i want it to look good yeah but he only got 50 percent of the of his wants you know mm, mm. that's definitely a thing a sort of a bravery thing you know kind of oh they won't they won't go for that how'd you fucking know did you ask yeah exactly <laughs> and that, that's definitely the case here 100 percent. yeah if they'd have said well look you need to spend another on the grand scheme of things another 10 percent, he'd have spent it i absolutely know he would yeah no, I believe it. Yeah. Cool. Hey ho. Right, more myths, more more universal myths. I got one. Go. I got two actually in the same one. Okay. 
commercial cinema speakers and layouts, especially layouts. That's what you want. It's in the big cinema, so it's going to work in the small cinema. Why do you think that? For a start, we know from the bass episode and from the waveforming episode, we just know absolutely bass works differently in large rooms. So I'm talking particularly about that system that lots of people do with a speaker, then a sub, then a speaker, then a sub, all in the front wall. Well, you and I know from our adventures in placement, that works, Mm -hmm. what, 30% of the time? So I thought two systems in the market at Mm -hmm. least, maybe three. It's just, oh, we've taken this big commercial thing and we've scaled it down and no one's thrown a copy of Floyd Tool's book at them or RP22 at them. Yeah. Yeah, those those big those big rooms are you know that they, they haven't got the the issues that we've got to deal with with base one hundred percent, and they're also being very general about the experience that that I don't know hundred seats or so in in these big commercials mm-hmm. is there own. I've never sat there and counted them, but if there's a hundred people in in one room. Yeah, that's not many people in that room. That's probably say ten percent are going to get a decent audio experience because you know the the 20 seats on the left hand wall the 20 seats on the right hand wall it's going to be heavily skewed to surround sounds or i literally know that because of louis so we went to see spider-verse this summer sat in the middle louis needed a wee and of course there was loads of people clustered around our seats in the middle so when i went and took our seats i just took seats at the edge because it was easier and the whole thing collapsed it was properly bollocks it was just no good at all yeah um, so, yeah, I know that's the case. But, yes, yeah, certainly when it comes to bass reproduction. Now, that's not to say that this make may or may not be good, but I definitely know that just because you're in the big cinema doesn't automatically give you a free pass to be in the small. You're going to have to engineer the products appropriately and you're going to have to prove it. Yeah. And also, and this is harder because there are some worthy makes in the space that do this, just because you're there in the mastering studio doesn't mean it's right for a small private cinema because lots of things are different again this is not now single seat yeah mastering this isn't a specialty yeah this isn't see mastering studios not not a specialty of mine but mastering Mm -hmm. studios with the equipment and the way the acoustics are set up in there is very different to the rooms that we will design yeah, you're near or medium field. You're not usually going to be far field. You're not going to be sort of three, four, five metres back. Yeah. Uh, you're sitting back in a sofa that is absorptive. You're not sitting up at a chair driving a desk. Yeah. It's just really different. And you might well be good in both spaces. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's economies of scale and there's having shared R&D teams and there's there's reasons why it might be good. But it being in the studio is not proof that it's going to be good in the home. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching an advert once. It's like, oh, well, you know, you can't really do it on technical information, but what are the pros using? Yeah. The stuff to do a job. I mean, you know what the most, I've said this before, but you know what the most popular studio monitoring speaker is in the world, don't you? Go. On the sold the most units. It's a Yamaha NS10. Mm-hmm. They're dog shit. All they are, and by admission they do their job their job is to show you what's going on at the mid-range and show you where the problems are so the mix engineer can mend it if you made a home cinema out of that it would be properly awful don't don't do it and it's 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 the same with the the acoustic setup of 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 certainly with music studios with 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 immersive audio i I don't Mm -hmm. know whether it's quite the same but i know with 
a, a lot of uh, mixing rooms for audio, they make them incredibly dead. Yeah, yeah, much drier. And they add and they add their reverb in to suit how they want their recording to be, mm-hmm. so that when somebody's playing the guitar and, and recording that guitar, that's exactly you know what's coming from that guitar is what's being recorded. And if that that mixer wants to add whatever he wants to add, he can do that himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we definitely want to make our home cinemas a bit deader than a reverberant space, but we probably don't want to make them as dead as the room in which I'm trying to pick everything to absolutely bits and listen for problems. Mm. In fact, David said that last week, you know, they they leave a little bit of life in because they can get it down to extremely dry, dead sort of acoustic, but it then stops being pleasant. Yeah, yeah. So they put a bit back in. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, there's one. Um, now, full disclosure, we, we asked around for this one because we know what we hear, but we got a few few suggestions from loads of people. Um, Peter Aylett sent us a list. It was massive. <laughs> this is our three-hour uh, podcast, isn't it, mate? Yeah, exactly. So we're not, we're not going to go through all of them. But here's a fun one. My speakers are wide dispersion, so I don't need to angle them. Okay. What do you think? Don't like that. Don't like that. At all. It's not true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, yeah, okay, prove it. Yeah, prove it. I mean, wide dispersion, that's a really good shout, isn't it? Because lots of people put that in their product description. Very few people show us the dispersion, well, two people show us the dispersion characteristics in their uh, in their spec sheet. So I don't yeah. know what you mean. Because do you mean wide dispersion, yeah. there is something coming out of it at 60 degrees off axis? Or do you mean it's really good and pretty close to what's dead on axis at 60 degrees off axis? What's the angle? How much is it down by? Otherwise, you're just talking shit. Yeah. It's so difficult. I'd be just even if it was wide, wide dispersion. Yeah. Okay. So what's happening at thirty degrees off axis? Mm-hmm. It might be able to throw some noise out at, at, at whatever de- you know, whatever their wide is called. But is that is that a good audio that it's sending off at forty degrees, fifty degrees, whatever it might be? Is it so different from the on axis? that it's causing massive problems in the reflections. Yeah, very good. Which is going to bring us on to our next one, if I don't forget. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah, consider the front wides. You know, if it's wide dispersion and it's just about hitting all the seats, well, in that case, how much energy is coming from dead off-axis or mm. off-axis in the other direction and on-axis? You're throwing an awful lot of crap into the room, which leads us neatly on to reflections. Yeah, very good. Reflection points are an interesting one now. Always kill the first reflection you hear. It's not good, I don't think. It's not what Dr. Floyd says. We we as humans need to hear the reflection. That's what gives us distance. Yeah, distance, balance, sense of space, all that good stuff. You don't you don't want to make an anechoic chamber any more than you want to make an echo chamber. Neither of those is no. right. No. This no. Goldilocks point. In fact, mm. Dr. Floyd did some amazing lectures that I heard um, via CD in lockdown. And he said, you know, you don't have to always kill the first reflection points. You may all add absorption at the first reflection point and a modest amount. One option is to do nothing. Yeah. That could be very good indeed. Yeah. Because your brain will kind of understand that, see what's going on. I think, I mean, I have no absorption at my first re- reflection point for my left and my right. Mm-hmm. In, in my room none at all um is that right is that wrong uh i don't know is the honest answer would i why didn't i put absorption there because when i tried some there mm-hmm. i didn't like it as much 
Yeah. I absolutely didn't. I don't need to add absorption there for my RDT. So I prefer it without. I'm angling my speakers in anyway. So there's less. So that first reflection point is further into the room where actually I've got my front wide. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I've got dispersion above and below my, my front front wides. You know. Yeah, and I've got geometric shapes because I've got the front wide sticking out on pods and that's pretty much where first reflection from left is. Mm-hmm. So it sort of hits that and it'll break it up a bit, but it doesn't absorb yeah. it. Yeah. So that's fine. Which is good. Yeah. Because we, we, we don't want to be killing all the energy in the room. No, of course we don't. Unless we have to. That's a good one. RDT60. Apparently you need to measure that at one kilohertz. Yes. That's a myth. Uh-huh. You need to be measuring it at a whole bunch of frequencies. Do you really? <laughs> and here's what I know, and you can correct me when I'm wrong. Yeah. I got this partly from um, from Adam on the, on the RP22 group. As well as the actual figure, because we know that my room is a little bit more absorptive than is ideal at one kilohertz, but the figure's nice. It absorbs less bass and more treble in it behaves in a nice descending smooth curve which means it's convincing because it doesn't feel wrong in there but it's a little bit under the recommended number mm. if that makes sense there's a there's a little bit of um chat going on at the moment about where we need that reverberation the rdt time to be across the frequencies mm-hmm. and at the moment it's not so much about hitting a set figure at a set frequency i think there's there's also a lot of talk going on about the shape that our rtd graph gives us is probably just as important i.e no massive peak at eight kilohertz or you know a a massive drop at a thousand because we're always going to rise towards the lower notes that those those first two octaves are always going to be higher you know than the rest of it just because it's so friggin hard to do anything with yeah 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 unless we've got waveforming where we can actually physically deal with it i mean it's brand new and it's wildly expensive let's assume most of the time we can't yeah and we haven't got two meters of space to lose to loads of absorption yeah let's assume that i think that's probably fair in, in the uk <laughs> yeah. that's probably yeah fair. yeah 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 so it's as much about the shape of our graph as it is the final number the, the the milliseconds per frequency range or per octave as as, as where we're going no exactly um can be just as important quite fun for me because if i'm talking to goff about it he like oh yeah yeah no look at the shape of that graph it's absolutely fine and if i'm talking to johnny no stars who's just been on the course the sort of introductory course or whatever he goes oh no that's wrong it's too absorptive and i'm like well sorry <laughs> you know mm, yeah Cool. Yeah. Um, subwoofers. Yes. We only need one. Got a few about this. This is a good one. Oh, we only need one because it's omnidirectional, mm-hmm. or it doesn't matter where they go because it's omnidirectional. Yeah. I mean, we've spent a bit. We, you know, we've done a yeah, we've done a whole podcast on subs, locations, standing waves. So we know the reasons, and and yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, that, hey, listen, go and ha- if you haven't listened to that 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 sort of podcast as an introduction to bass, yeah, yeah, we don't need to go over it again. But here's a good one. Small subwoofers can produce their maximum SPL at their lowest rated frequency. I love this because it's such a good point. In other words, that little sub, either that little box sub or that little in-wall sub, it will go down to yay many hertz and it will go yay loud. But they never said in the spec sheet that it can do both at the same time. Mm. That's a myth. 
it's got a corresponding myth in video. And I, I do think we don't talk about video enough because we're basically sound monkeys background, really. Yeah. We'll get some video help in. In fact, he's, he's already said yes, so that's really cool. That projector that can do that many lumens or can do that much colour accuracy, yeah, it's a choice. Yeah, You can have it bright or you can have it good. Yeah. You cannot do both at the same time. Yeah. One rule of thumb I was taught is, depending on the make and depending on where they're from and all the rest of it, knock 20% off the brightness figure to give you a calibrated brightness figure to do your sums with. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, yeah, the sub can't go very low and very loud at the same time. The projector can't go very bright and very accurate at the same time. Just can't be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just means as engineers, we have to be really cautious again. Obviously, this will all get solved by performance facts, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have we talked about that? No, not yet. Is now a good time? Uh, let's. It's the opposite of a myth, isn't it? Well, it's fact. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, performance facts is RP1. It's one of the really important standards groups within Cedia where basically they're looking at the world and they're looking at the fact that all manufacturers bullshit a little bit. Some are worse than others. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, we've quoted this amplifier power figure, but it's with a percent of distortion, which is too much. Or, you know, it can do this frequency range. Oh, yeah, but then it can't do the power. And everyone inflates their ratings to try and sell gear. Yeah. Everyone does it a little bit, right? Some yeah. people do it almost not at all, but maybe a tiny bit here and there. And some people just do it a lot. Um, performance factors where we're basically laying down the methodology by which we want equipment quoted. Yeah. So... Cat amongst the pigeons, big time. Yeah, so it's all about... So when a, a manufacturer gives us a figure, a performance figure, we know that that figure is done fair and square and, we, and we're able to compare apples to apples from one product to the next. Because at the moment, if a manufacturer says, oh, our speaker will do full range at 100, 192 dB, blah, 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 ah, no, it can't, can it? Yeah. And how are you got that? How's your marketing team come up with that? 100%. I used to work for someone who was making speakers, <laughs> and that was pretty much it. The bloke from engineering said, how do you want this power rating to be? And I was like, I don't know. And we looked at other yeah. people, and we went, oh, no, no, yeah, that'll do. And we got it out the door. Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, almost everybody's spec sheet. Massive myth. Wicked. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah, unfortunately. Right. I got another one. It made I love this one. I've heard it a few times now. So if your ears are burning, don't worry, you're not alone. It's okay that the design's wrong. We're having it calibrated. Yeah. Remember that calibration will only add to what's there. So if you're starting shit, it's still going to smell at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, I think that's a God's honest truth. No, I think that's right. Um, And not just you, actually, but... um, Certainly the busiest and certainly in the top two calibrator in the world basically had to chew out some of his own dealers for doing expensive $250,000 plus systems that he said, I can't get CDA level one out of these systems. But they've kind of almost gone like a lazy mix engineer would go, ah, that's all right, Mr. Tate, we'll fix it in the mix. You can't fix fuck all in the mix. Mm. You can't fix a design in calibration. It just can't be done. No. Things are pointing in the wrong direction. If things aren't loud enough, if you've put an issue in that room physically, how's the calibrator going to mend that? Don't be so silly. Couldn't agree more. Wicked. Uh, You've got one that apparently I'm not going to like. Bugbear of mine. Yeah, go on. And it goes a little bit 
bits of performance facts. Uh-huh. Very much to performance facts. And that is that this speaker is THX certified. Yeah. I still don't know what that means. Okay. I can't find any details. I can I can read a few sentences that says, ah, well, we think this and we think that and it should do this and that. Nothing, nothing too specific. I think there's two bits to this. One is just straight history. You know, the history of it is George Lucas was listening to the mix environment, the commercial cinema, then eventually later the home cinema. None of it's good enough. So he set in place a series of technical hoops. Things had to come go through before they would reach the required standard. Of things like going loud enough, of things like being well-behaved off-axis and so on. But it's a wall garden and it's closed off. And I think probably, if yeah. you go back to 1985, that's totally fair enough. No one knew enough. And certainly... yeah. You know, custom install wasn't really a proper thing at that point. I'm not even sure CD was out mm. then. Yeah. yeah. So I understand how all that happened. And I like the sound of things being smooth off axis. And I like the idea that things have been tested to perform correctly at a certain listening distance. So I like the fact that it's something. But I don't like the fact in the modern age where we can have proper spinorama data, where the game, if you like, has moved on from some of the people. I don't like the fact that I still have to take it on trust a little bit. And I think I think the bit that makes me trust it less is that those speakers that are THX certified mm-hmm. have paid for that. Yep. Because they've been tested independently. A NYSIC electrician has paid for his badge. Well, I believe THX... No, I believe TH... Uh, listen, I don't... I, I, mm-hmm. Again, there's so little information as to who does the testing. Is it done by... Mr. X from over there in his in his laboratory, and then THX gets those spit that that spinner armor data. I assume, mm-hmm. and THX sign that off, or THX doing it themselves, and then signing it off. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I know what you mean. And again, I, I used THX speakers in, in my room. It was an influencing factor because I thought, well, at least it's going to be tested to this degree relative to a handful of other stuff that I thought would be suitable. Mm. Um, it certainly isn't the end of the end, end of the equation. I don't have a major problem with it, but I see where you're coming from. Um, do you like Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Did you watch A Few Good Men? Uh, I did. This is what I think the problem is. I think the attitude from within THX, both current ownership and historically, is that you can't handle the truth and they'll have to handle it for you. Maybe. I think some of us are past that now. But on average, I think that's probably quite fair. I think manufacturers think that of us, that we can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so than us not being able to handle it. Yeah. And even now, I mean, let's face it, if THX is so meaningless, how come it was okay with Perlison, who we like, who give good data, bothered to get their stuff accredited for the new THX Dominus large room standard? And I've had this very same thought myself. And is it a good because they're supplying us with all the information we could ever ask for. Yep. And if it wasn't on their website and we needed some info, I'm pretty sure that we could get that info from them by asking. Yep. So my thinking is, well, actually, is that a clever marketing ploy for those people who don't understand Spinnerama and the data they're firing out? And it's just, is it still seen as a gold stamp on quality? Interesting. See, I think in the UK... It is absolutely people who are enthusiastic about home cinema, whether they're magazine reading hobby or it's their job, people even have really heard of THS. Mm. I think in America it went a lot further and a lot deeper. I think it really permeated the culture. 
And Polisson, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's the rhythm, but they're fundamentally American. I think to be taken seriously in the home cinema space in the States, you want a THX badge. Simple commercial logic. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. Okay. But yeah, it's good enough for Pellison. Yeah. It's yeah. good enough for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a good one. I like it. So there is some mythology and there is, I think, some engineering as well that we can't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Streaming content is great. Streaming content is great, Tom. What are you talking about? It is great. And I I use it myself day in, day out. How else are you going to watch Breaking Bad? Uh, or better call Saul. Well, I'm probably not. Yeah, uh, I, I might be able to download <laughs> it on my um, very expensive media streamer. But I think, I think it 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 for a let's say that we've got a, a very good home theater. Mm-hmm. Well, we do. Blu-rays look and sound better. Yep. Than streaming content. Agree. Still today. It's less bad. I mean, it's not lockdown bad, where they literally turned it all down. No, it has improved. Actually, through lockdown was my first test of streaming Blu-ray scape. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> that's like shooting someone in the leg and then con- yeah. challenging them yeah. to a running race. Yeah, and I, I did it. I did it <laughs> only a month or two ago to see whether it was any closer. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, Obviously, the jump from Blu-ray to our favourite media um, server is is still there and still very apparent. Streaming has got a lot closer to Blu-ray, but there's still a big jump in my opinion. Very good. I think, I mean, the thing is, I, I go back through the Hi-Fi Wars, right? And I remember Super Audio CD and DVD Audio being a thing and especially the people who were writing for magazines at that point getting very excited because this was the perfect audiophile Nirvana with 24-bit 92 or Super Audio CD did it differently with some streaming i can't remember um mm. and it's backwards compatible with cd and that's amazing and do you know what the world did to a man and a woman do you know what people did mm-hmm. they all went out in their droves to the apple store and bought ipods that's what happened mm. the high resolution formats were a massive commercial irrelevance it's all about the user interface all about the user interface it's all about the immediacy i've got a half decent blu-ray in in the shop right mm-hmm I don't use it. I can't be asked. It's all in Apple. Everything is teed up on the right level it needs to be. I should. In fact, what I should do is find thousands and thousands more pounds and get the same downloading box as you've got. Yeah, yeah. I think it is I think it is the ultimate. I'm the same as you. My Blu-ray sits in there. Honestly, I think it's got it's had the same disc in it other than the other other week or two ago when I was doing the the side-by-side comparisons. It pretty much has the Dolby demo disc in it that's the only so, what, disc, with John Wick? the only disc that lives in it the same disc the <laughs> with the same person that's really bad and it's again it's a pretty good blu-ray player it's the panasonic uv820 great value for money um i never use it ever ever yeah. i think it was ian from envision i don't think it was yado from sony but basically i was a colossal pain in someone's backside i was like i need a clip disc i need a clip disc i need a clip disc and three arrived on my desk three days later. I was like, there's a Dolby one, brilliant. There's a DTS one that doesn't get much use. And there was like another one. It's like, thanks, guys. Massively appreciate that. Well done. Streaming is great. And it's probably the thing that's going to be used 80% of the time. But it's flawed in its quality, both audio and visual. Yeah. It just is. And it just has to be. 
at the moment. Of course, it's just I it's think. just data. It's just less data happening per second in our screens, more use of compression. I understand it completely. Uh, actually, another shout out, Stuart from Immersive Cinema Rooms was good enough to lend me his Kscape for when we did the launch. Mm. Oh, so good. Not just the yeah. audio and video quality, which was absolutely bob on, but the ability to kind of make a little playlist of clips. Yeah. Just absolutely fabulous. There's one thing wrong with it. Cost. I can't afford it right now. That's it. Everything else is perfect. They changed their hardware, didn't they, unfortunately, a few years ago, which has mm-hmm. almost doubled the buy-in. Uh, sure. Which, which you know, on a big, expensive room, say big, it doesn't have to be big, but on a, on a high-value room, I think they have to get it. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I think that's some myths. I think that's, I feel pretty good about the world. I think that's quite yeah. a long one. We'll probably yeah. chop it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got another thought as well, actually. Um, we are going to need to make some video at some point because I think we need to go to someone's room and mend it. Mm-hmm. Probably both of us and probably film the lot and sort of, I think we're putting a YouTube channel up just in case. I like the podcast format, but it has limits. I think we are going to need to do some, some film stuff. Now, there's a problem. There's two problems, actually. One is that I don't feel like we should ever be sponsored. I think that's shilling. I think that's bullshit. Nope. That's, that's not what we're about. If it works for you and your marketing approach, that's great. But I think we always reserve the right to speak freely, throw anyone under any bus that we feel like it, and just give you our honest assessment. And I think sponsorship just, just messes with yeah, that. I agree. So I guess we're looking for someone to come and help us who's a bit handy on the filming stuff, editing stuff, making it look good. Don't put me and Tom on camera. We can put the cameras on the mics and we'll talk. That's fine. We're all right with talking. Base for podcasts, haven't we? If that sounds like you, <laughs> and especially if you've got a room you want us to kind of come and calibrate, then then hit us up. So podcast at homecinemadesign.co.uk. Wicked. And the only thing is, we're not taking any sponsors. We probably can't pay you. Absolutely. 100% <laughs> and no money will transact. Yeah. <laughs> in either direction. So your integrity is without question, but yeah, that's that's the deal. Brilliant. Form an orderly queue. Good stuff. Wicked. Right, I think that's us. I think that'll do. Uh, We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.